Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I can't see you. I, just, I got it. I got it. I still can't see you, but I, I hear you look great in that mask. You can't see me? My echolocation says you look great oh, in that mask. Oh, you're stupid. I hate you. <laughs> 3D printed that? Yeah, don't judge it too much. Nice. It's not welded together, it's not painted. And it's a bit big, but hey. Looks as good as bad. Melvin would make, yeah. So, uh, hello interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host Joe. And I'm Ryan. Apologies to our audio listeners. Uh, just watch YouTube if you want to know what that's about. So, uh, today, Ryan and I are talking about the long-since-defunct Netflix Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, let's zoom into our medium shot here and get on with that a bit. Uh, just so you know, full spoilers for all these shows ahead. They ended like five years ago, but you've been warned. Yeah. So, uh, what's your history with these Marvel uh, Netflix shows? Uh, I remember not watching them until I believe Daredevil season two was coming out. Uh, I wasn't that big into the characters that were being produced onto the Netflix shows at the time. But again, you just hear the talk around school, you hear the hype, and you're like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Fell in love immediately with Daredevil right away, finished off season one and two, probably back to back, and then I went on to Jessica Jones, because that was also at the time. Uh, because around the time, there was a big debate on which show was better. Was it mm. Daredevil or Jessica Jones? I remember that, talking about that, and some people said Jessica Jones, some people said Daredevil. Time would and decide. that was fun for a while. Yeah, very difficult to decide at the time. And then uh, now, uh, or later on, Luke Cage came out, and then I stuck with the whole universe until season three of Daredevil, or sorry, season two of The Punisher, which I think was the last, or I can't remember what was the last thing, either season two of Punisher or Jessica season Jones, three season of Jessica three. Jones. So you were like That's right, right yeah. near the end. The only two seasons I haven't seen for all of them would be Luke Cage season two and then uh, Iron Fist season two. Those are the only ones I haven't seen. Yeah. But well, I know I'd, what happens. Yeah. Well, I jumped on board the Marvel Netflix train pretty much right away. I can't remember offhand how big a fan of Daredevil I was going in. I know I was already pretty enamored with the idea of this superhero. So I was super excited to see this show already. And uh, I thought it delivered in spades. This was, at the time, my favorite thing Marvel had done on... Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, Captain America, the first Avenger, still my favorite Marvel movie. But at the time, it was still neck and neck with one of my favorite things Marvel had ever done uh, in, in their adaptations. And it still arguably might be. Like, Captain America is my favorite movie, but Daredevil's one of my all-time favorite shows. Like, I think it's in top five on my list right now. So, they made a smashing impression on me right away. And uh, we're going to talk about how our opinions changed over time, kind of run through the shows one by one here, gauging our reactions and like, well, this is how I felt as it went. But uh, suffice it to say, I haven't seen all these shows either. I actually mm -hmm. stuck it out quite far. The only one I never saw was Iron Fist Season 2, which that shouldn't be a shocker to most people, even though I heard Iron Fist Season 2 was quite a step up over the first one in many ways. But uh, maybe one day I will get around to that. 
Are they on Disney Plus? I don't even remember. I yeah, they all moved over to Disney Plus. All, all of them. them. Okay. Yeah. I'm shocked they let something like The Punisher on Disney Plus, but uh, or even I mean, or even any of them the, to be honest. Yeah, I mean they own the rights, right? Part of the part of the legacy or whatever it's called. Use it or lose it, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's get into our close up and talk about these. Uh, right up front, before we get into it, uh, I've got a bone to pick with you, Justin, because we were talking Thank early me for a second. Oh God. Oh, not you. Not not yet. <laughs> but oh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit riled up because, you know, I was, I was arguing with Justin earlier about Daredevil and how he doesn't like the show at all. He gave it... What? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He gave it five episodes back in high school in grade 11 and then dropped out halfway through season one because oh, it was I too... Oh, I remember him talking about this. Because it was too boring. <laughs> and <laughs> that infuriates me eight years on. Just like it did back then, which is why we haven't talked about it in eight years, because he pissed me off so badly back in high school that I haven't even wanted to talk to him about the show since until today. And then he bothered me again. So now I got to, you know, I got to I got to talk to this show, talk to you about this show just to, you know, get the hype going a little bit because it's. And you know what, that's that's my segue to acknowledge here. That I understand why a lot of people didn't like these shows at the time. They were, on the whole, slow burn, dragged out more than they needed to do most seasons of them. Most of them did not need 13 episodes to tell their stories. Uh, they, they were pretty cinematically pretty dark and joyless a lot of times. And like I, I get why a lot of people found them slow or boring or were not interested in them. Do not mistake that for poor quality in every case, mind you. I'd still take all these over the mediocre, soulless garbage Disney Plus is churning out now. These shows at least had some passion and care and put in behind them from the character work, the cinematography, the character arcs, the production design. Just there's a lot of intention and passion behind these shows that the Disney Plus stuff isn't replicating. So, you know, these shows clearly have their flaws, which we're going to get into. But I just want to say up front, I know they're not for everybody. I understand the criticisms that basically apply to them all. But I don't care because especially with some nostalgia goggles and a bit of time to look back and see what the MCU's become, these basically are... These look like masterpieces now compared to what we're getting on average now. So that's part of the reason yeah. we wanted to go back and revisit them to be like, hey, remember when Marvel the glory TV, days? Yeah. Remember when Marvel TV was actually worth watching most of the time? Once again, not every one of these seasons is a hit, but like, no, you know what? I'll say it. I'll take even some of the I'll take Luke Cage over anything that Disney Plus has done. I'll take Luke Cage over the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'll take Jessica Jones over Loki. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... I'll take... Okay, I'm not going to take Iron Fist over Moon Knight for, like, supernatural stuff. Thank but you. You know what? <laughs> I have... You know, I'm, I'm a man of some taste. I know my limits. Disney but... Plus can have one great one, okay? <laughs> you get Moon Knight and Wanda. Everybody else... Yes. No. Everybody else... <laughs> let's, let's watch the, the Netflix stuff. Anyway, kicking things off. All the way back to 2015 here. 
Daredevil oh, season one. What a time man, to be alive. Yeah. The man in black descends on Hell's Kitchen and changes Marvel TV and kind of just TV in general. I mean, keeping in mind here, at the time, really, it's only the only competition in the gritty superhero market back in this time was Arrow. And even Arrow was moving away from the grittiness by this point in its life. So in 2015, Daredevil was the darkest, most adult superhero show on television. I mean, every other one is like that now. But the market was like this was it back then in terms of adult superhero content. Mm -hmm. Just for that context, right? And, you know, even me back in high school, I'm not. I'm not really into, like, super edgy superheroes by any means. That's what I love about Daredevil is that he can be, you know, he's a relatively well-adjusted guy, all things considered. He's got his dark past. He's got a lot of Catholic guilt bubbling up inside him. He's, you know, he's got a lot of traumas. But, like, the joy he shows is real. Matt Murdock is... he. Whenever he's being friendly with people... He's not putting up a front. He is just a guy who likes cracking jokes and maybe screwing with people mm -hmm. sometimes and, you know, or like flirting He's a great with, guy. Yeah, or flirting with girls or messing around with Foggy or whatever. Like, I've never seen a blind man have more game in my life than on this show. Uh, yeah, Foggy, you mentioned that pretty early on. He's mm -hmm. like, how, how do you do it? Because he's Charlie Cox. It's a good, he, and I love how they never answer. <laughs> yeah it's like how does he do it although i did see a clip recently which reminded me how he did he does kind of use the blindness to his advantage sometimes yeah kind of get yeah. that like sympathy sort of thing uh there was one clip that i saw where he was at a party in season two and he uh he bumped we're skipping ahead a bit but he bumped into this one guy made it spilled yeah. his wine all over the guy's jacket and the guy's like watch where you're going noticed he was blind oh sorry did i spill anything no nah, you're mm -hmm. good i remember you talking about and like the guy wants to get mad but he's like fuck <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> like oh it's a blind guy huh? like i yeah. know i'm a villain but how bad am i gonna look if i attack a blind I'm not gonna guy yell in at public? a blind guy <laughs> yeah i have something of a reputation sort of but anyway matt murdoch is just a charming fellow Mm -hmm. And uh, is it the very first scene that he's confessing to Father Lantum? Ooh. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen the first season, but it's probably one of the first few scenes. I think that's like scene one. Yeah. So go back. I'm just, I'm just getting the script up now so I can tell you what we were introduced to, just how amazing this dialogue is here. So just the opening lines. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, uh, it's been too long since my last confession. My dad used to come to this church back when I was a kid. He was a fighter, old school, boxer. Lost more than he won. Had a 24-31 record before he, uh... But he could take a punch. Jesus, he could take a punch. Language. Sorry, Father. And then he just, he kept going. But then he ends up with that, you know, that awesome trailer line. Uh, the father's like, well, but you understand it now. Perhaps this would be easier if you tell me what you've done. I'm not seeking penance mm -hmm. for what I've done, father. I'm asking forgiveness for what I'm about to do. <laughs> Badass. Did you say 20, 
great dialogue just right off the get-go you said 24 and 31 boxing record yeah yeah that's pretty shit uh but <laughs> i'm gonna take say a punch. Ten, you can take a punch i'm gonna say 10 of those losses are dives i'm gonna say at least so you know who knows how good of a boxer he could have been jack murdoch dived until he didn't and then he was killed for that oh so. wow nice i like that that was poetic yeah we yeah, never see the mother right she's like uh, bar- she's only mentioned but she like we abandoned. do see the, we do see the mother actually she was the oh, uh, the nun in season three. Right. She uh, she abandoned them to become uh, to become a nun. I completely forgot about that plot point. Yeah, that's like the main his main supporting figure in season three, and he doesn't even know she's his mother yeah. first. But that's we'll get to that by season three because that's like who his did big it thing. better, Daredevil or Sopranos? <laughs> for uh, for the mother, for the nun mother. <laughs> well, I remember this more. Um, yeah, but Sopranos is pretty good too for uh, mm. for that story. I'm not going to spoil it because it's not about Sopranos, but yeah, you, she you was know, a whore. If, if you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, oh. so yeah, we have a great we got a great introduction to Matt Murdock. Um, he's this guy full of Catholic guilt. Who's aren't we gonna all? bring? Who's gonna bring the? <laughs> yeah, I just love the very core of uh what Daredevil is, and I know this wasn't the original Stan Lee creation, but this is more of a Frank Miller take on Daredevil, how he pivoted Matt Murdock to be this guy who uses his Catholic guilt to dress up like the devil at night and punish sinners in Hell's Kitchen under the vengeance of God. It's so epic in scope. And he's also, you know, also the, the symbolism of like justice is blind and he fights you know, he fights in the streets at night for justice, and he fights for justice in the day as a defense attorney. Like, mm-hmm. justice is his whole shtick. The duality of that awesome. is... Yeah, is brilliant. I love the duality of that. And it's just done so well, and I don't think this show would have worked as well as it did if it wasn't Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox in this role, the way he's able to... It's basic. It's gonna kind of a weird take, because... This is Marvel's version of Bruce Wayne to me, where he has this without money. Persona. He's Bruce Wayne without money. Yeah, exactly. He has this persona of this somewhat cocky guy who is great at his job. Um, he has this ideal, but his real identity is Daredevil. This and it's eating at him. It's destroying him. It consumes him in a lot of the times in his life. But he has to embrace it, or else he will go absolutely insane. And the way Charlie Cox is able to play both sides of Matt Murdock, to me, is probably one of the greatest Marvel performances of all time. And oh, I don't yeah. think it's talked about enough. Um, Let's not even talk about the duality. Let's just talk about how he convincingly played a blind man. Even, yeah. Like just, like, just playing the character, not even the emotions of the character or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's a whole other layer, which, let's be honest. He played amazing. it so well, he tricked himself. There's yes. been times where he's he's said that he's in just in real life he has been staring off into space or he's had his eyes be super steady because he's just done it for so many years just in regular life. There is one but story he, he's I heard been able to do it so well that there's one story I heard where he actively bombed an audition for something because he couldn't <laughs> stop staring off <laughs> like 
into the middle distance and the people yeah. are like, you, you know, you're doing that, right? He's like, what? Oh, crap. I'm still, still doing that unconsciously. Mm-hmm. It was really hard for him to get out of. Um, but just as impressive as Charlie Cox this season, Vincent freaking D'Onofrio. Oh, Wilson Fisk. So good. In he one is year, so underrated. In one year, he solidified himself as the best villain the MCU ever put to screen. So, Ooh. and then they just kept bringing him back. Mm-hmm. And, and again, they, it's not this, it's not this over the top cliche introduction. Like here's the villain being up the guy. It's him looking at a painting in an art exhibit yeah. in, in this fancy suit, talking to this, trying to talk to this girl, but he can't cause he's got so much anxiety. Yeah. They, this is what it's great about these shows is that it really humanizes these superhero and supervillains from these comic books and it makes you identify with each character he's not he's a very complex character because you know you see he was abused as a child and he killed his father and i don't remember when you find out that's like that he beat his father to death with a uh, hammer i think like episode eight or nine something okay, like so, that. so that's in season one and you know he's got the social anxiety can't talk to girls but he's pretty civilized in many ways he wears nice suits he wear you know he can he talks he speaks well. Uh, he's an educated man, clearly knows about fine art, and he, he's got a pretty classy air about him. And, you know, you can, you can see yourself having a good conversation with this guy. Don't get him angry, though, uh, because that's when all nope. his childhood insecurities and everything comes out, and he looks like a kid having a temper tantrum, except he's powerful enough to slam your head off in a car door. Uh, not slam it off, just completely demolish it. Decapitate him. It doesn't exist anymore. When I saw that, watching it like in high school, being like, oh, Marvel can do this? Great. And then they never do it again. For a couple years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't really do it afterwards, but. Uh, The Marvel Netflix shows is where that stopped. Whenever Jessica Jones season three was done, that was it. And then they were like, Moon Knight's going to be violent. It wasn't. Yeah, it was violent without the blood. That's what yeah. it was. It was it was a neutered version of this. If you want to see Marvel go like this is, we were just talking about Invincible in the last episode about the violence of mm-hmm. superhero shows. Watch the Marvel Netflix stuff if you really want violent superhero shows in live action because these are some of the most brutal. And we goes yeah. all the way back to Daredevil season one. Uh, let's talk about uh, Karen a bit. I thought she was. A fantastic introduction here, just as, like, she got, um, what was it? She was framed for murder, right? Framed for murdering her boyfriend, or, yeah. Yeah, I think but it was episode all, one, too, yeah. Yeah, that's what sets the whole thing in motion, is that Matt finds out she's innocent and decides to defend her as Nelson and Murdoch. Mm-hmm. And, it's uh, a great kind of introduction scene for both them as a duo, where it's like, how long have you guys been practicing law? And he's like, what time is it? And it's just... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, about three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite Karen moment uh, at at the end here is, um, well, I do remember she uh, warmed up to that reporter Ben Ben Urick, who Wilson Fisk brutally yes. killed at the end of the season. I I nearly forgot about oh, that. Poor like, ben. Oh crap, that was a good twist. He got too close, yeah. and, and Fisk just murdered him in his apartment. Uh, but what I don't think about, he is for a second, and then he's like, but I'm not here to do that. I'm here to kill you, and then just lunges at him, and you're like, yeah. fuck. And I also like how Karen starts the show being 
falsely accused of murder and then ends up straight up killing Fisk's right hand man. Yeah. She kills Wesley. That was one of those things uh, where I'm not going to spoil what happens, but it's kind of another yeah, just Sopranos. Oh, Sopranos. It's another Sopranos, Sopranos callback where uh, do you expect, like, you've seen this situation hundreds of times. You you know, the healer's going to come and save them, but it's like, no, uh, the woman's going to murder the guy that captured her. So you're just yeah. like, oh, interesting. Okay, I'm down with that. Wesley was an annoying character, but it was interesting. But to see him gone like that, wow, okay, this show's got balls. Well, that's what also I wasn't made... mad about it. I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's what also made Fisk's character more interesting later, because Wesley was one of the few people he actually cared about, who actually yeah. he could actually trust. He was like the Smithers to his Mr. Burns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what are you, you going to do after Wesley's gone? You just killed yeah. the only guy I can trust. So Fisk just becomes more paranoid, more brutal. Mm-hmm. Karen saved herself, but made it way worse. Yeah. Another great side character that people shout on a lot at the time. I thought I really liked Foggy. I don't know why people like crapped on Foggy so much. Maybe because he was too jokey, but I thought Foggy got I'm pretty sure it's episode as it, seven as it went. when he when he finds out who Matt is, like Matt's Daredevil. I think that's a really great episode yeah. of that's the it one shows where, their backstory. Yeah, that, that one. But then it's in his apartment of them fighting like, how can you do this? How can you not trust me? Like, we're supposed to be lawyers and all this. And you see, again, it's another great performance by Charlie Cox where he's pulling out so much emotion, but he can't move his eyeballs. And he just does it so well. And credit to the actor uh, who plays Foggy as well, who, by the way, he's been in, like, a lot of stuff. back Even as a child actor, he was in The Mighty Ducks. Oh, really? Yeah, he played... God, Fogel or whatever. He was the guy who was like, I can't skate. But uh, he can. Eldon, Eldon Henson is his name. Yeah, Eldon Henson. He's, I think he's really good. Also, if anybody remembers any 2000s kid, the Freak in the Mighty book, he's in the movie adaptation for that. He plays Freak. Or, sorry, the Mighty. Whatever. It's a really good movie. Okay. Uh, it was the movie that came out before The Sopranos and James Gandolfini's in it, and he does a really good job. Just found out recently that James Gandolfini was in that movie, and it blew my fucking mind. And he does phenomenal in it. That was before James Gandolfini was James Gandolfini, but you could see early uh, hints of his greatness. But anyway, I think, again, I think this, yeah, I think, yeah, I could see why people were mad about him, but he added some light to this otherwise dark show. And I think he, I honestly liked his jokes. I would love to have Foggy as a friend. Foggy was good comedic relief. Uh, I thought he got, I think if I remember the problem with him was he got how he more became, annoying to me. He kind of became one note after he found out Matt was Daredevil yeah. and he just got, he just latched onto that really hard for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And then he, he chilled out about, about it in season two. Season two gave him, well, we'll get to season two, but he had a more believable conflict with Matt in season two when Matt let his Daredevil duties interfere with his luring. And it actually yeah. started getting in, in, uh, in problems with their own business. Uh, but in season one, it was more, he was, you know, mad that he wasn't told the truth, which I get, but I get why it wore thin. Um, so yeah. Oh, and then, uh, 
as season one goes, he becomes more and more Daredevil-like. The the man in black becomes the devil of Hell's Kitchen, and then he finally gets the costume, fights Fisk one-on-one in the alleyway. Take Stand shot. up and cheer kind of moment. <laughs> Fantastic. Don't forget, what is it, episode one or two, the hallway fight scene. Oh my lord. One of the best. We... The choreography An actual on show. true one That's a true one Yes. And what my favorite thing about that scene in terms of action is not the one it's not the, you know, the great choreography. It's the way the bad guys, when he knocks them down, they get back up. Yeah. They, they get exhausted. He's exhausted. They're, like, Charlie Cox and, you know, Matt Murdock gets exhausted throughout the fight. He takes a lot of hits. The bad guys get back up. It's not like everything else ever where you take the henchmen down and they're just knocked out for some reason after a, like, that's it. You've. Like, all the bad guys go after him at once. It's not just a one-at-a-time kind of thing. And then, like, it feels like an actual drawn-out fight, and you're just watching it as a wonder. Like, it's so well done. And if you weren't sucked into the show by then, Justin, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm actually going to fight Justin on Sunday. I hope you know this. I've been waiting. Oh, I've no. had, like, five. I've had 12 reasons, and this is my 13th. All right? <laughs> you know what? I, don't blame me if I'm I don't sure wait. I'm sure you've had, like, 52 reasons to fight. Anyway. I've got 10 <laughs> years worth of reasons to fight him. <laughs> but. <laughs> every day uh, with this man. I'm not going to wade into this because I've already had this argument with him. He's stubborn. He's not going to change his mind. He decided eight <clears> years <throat> ago in high school it was boring and he's never given it a shot since. It's not He's more happen. stubborn than you. And you make a beautiful couple. Yeah. <laughs> We're... <laughs> Every, everybody thinks we're a couple anyway, but we basically are, minus the romance. But, um... Aww. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> if you... Yeah. Um, so... Anyway. Yeah, Daredevil, <laughs> anyway, I had a transition out of that. Uh, season one... Go to Daredevil. therapy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Go to couples counseling. <laughs> yeah. At this point, our boss is just our mediator. Oh, well, that's free mediating. Anyway, yeah. uh, what are we talking about now? <laughs> love, no, love you, Justin. Uh, Daredevil season one. Um, yeah, oh, I think the we're nurse. basically done with Claire. How can we forget Claire. about freaking Claire? She's in every fucking show. She's the Is glue she that binds this whole, yes. She's the glue that binds this okay. whole thing together. Without, without Claire, the defenders fall apart from episode two of Daredevil. And she She's, gets around more than Matt Murdock. Well, yeah. that's not true. I guess with two people, but they're major characters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she gets with uh, Luke Cage and um, who's the other one? You said two Matt. people. Oh, Matt. Did, they didn't really Matt, It was like a, a season thing, one thing. They like, uh, they like kissed. Yeah, there was kind of a will they, won't they thing there. Yeah. But I, I like Claire because it showed uh, superheroes could be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like Marvel in 2015 had never really had a point where like oh a superhero might actually die and need serious medical attention right now of course we're yeah. not counting the first act of iron man where that was like the thing Tony Stark <laughs> survived. that was before he was a superhero but i'm talking i'm talking like deeper into it not yeah. act one of the universe anyway uh yeah so claire was pretty integral uh rosario dawson this is the first thing i ever saw her and she was great in it yeah made a she's pretty great. solid impression right away uh, but what I also like about season one is Matt's ethics. Like that whole season two hallway fight was just to save a kid from being trafficked. 
and you know him versus Fisk in the in the corruption like the cops are bought off and regular old yeah. justice in the courts isn't going to do it so you need that street level hero who's fighting for the little guy even though n- nobody knows who he is even the good cops don't like him cuz he's a vigilante which you know the avengers are okay because they freaking save new york but uh mm-hmm. daredevil it's like okay who's this guy in a costume yeah, you know what's really funny? When they talk about the Avengers movie events in those shows, they always called it the incident. Yes. And yes. to me, they never specifically said, like, oh, aliens came. They always called it an inc- the incident. And I always felt like that was a like a legal thing that they had to say, where they couldn't, like, straight up just say, hey, aliens came to the planet, remember that? No, they just had to call it the incident. The closest thing, I think, there was a picture in Ben Urich's office with a newspaper clipping of the incident, and I think you see a Chitauri ship in the picture. Yeah. That's about as much as... outwardly say it, yeah. I think they said Thor's name in the first season, or Iron Man, Mm. or, like, they referenced one of the Avengers. The guy with the hammer. (laughs) Yeah, they referenced one of the Avengers in season one, and I think Jessica Jones season three mentioned that um, the Avengers, half the Avengers were locked up in the raft after Civil War. They made some vague allusion to that. Yeah. But the timeline has always been very, like, the Netflix shows have very much been doing their own thing. Yeah. And that was one of the most annoying things, is that Marvel promised these shows would interconnect. And in Daredevil season one, it's like, oh, it's pretty loose, but they might still. They never did. Then the closest we ever got to connection was Charlie Cox showing up in No Way Home for a one-scene cameo, and that's the most legitimacy this show ever got. Mm. In the mainstream. God, how cool it would have... It wouldn't have made sense, like, on how they would have gone there, but how cool it would have been if they were all in Endgame. That would have been so been cool. Ama- would have been amazing. If they were just... Even uh, just in the crowd. I didn't even... I didn't need to see them all get a moment, even if they were just there. Somehow. But I guess these are just, man. like, street-level New York Funny heroes. you bring up... Funny you bring up No Way Home, just since you brought it up. Charlie Cox talked about in an interview how the way he was directed to act was really weird to him because how he would have done it was he would have put the cane down and started talking. Yeah. But the director specifically told him, slam the cane down, wait for the camera to come on uh, onto your face, yes, and then yes. start speaking because we're anticipating a crowd reaction. And he thought that was really strange. But that is how people react. Most so. of No Way Home was filmed that way. <laughs> Which is why it's kind of weird yeah. on rewatch because you can you can tell the moments they're waiting you're by the yourself. Applause. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, and here's where I would have applauded a year ago. Uh, but also they were pages. right to do that if you. But if also you I don't up reactions. But I don't know how many people in my theater knew. Funny, I was. I feel like I was the oh, only Charlie one Cox? there who. I feel like I was the only one there who knew who that was. I had a few gasps. I was like, <gasps> and then I told you when I was walking out, there was a son uh, explaining who that character was to his two parents. It was really funny. I had to lean I over wanted to my to chime mom. in. I wanted to chime in for a second, but he was nailing it. <laughs> yeah. He was explaining it so well. I remember like, so I had shout to out to that guy. I had to lean over to my mom and be like, that's Daredevil. He's my favorite. I've tried to convince my brother to watch those shows for the longest time. He's like, well, where are they? Like, for the last five years, they've been on Netflix. It's like, well, I can't find them now. It's like, because they went to Disney. How many <laughs> times I have to tell you? <laughs> They're on Disney now, yeah. Uh, moving on to Jessica Jones Season 1. The, well, like Trump. you said, back, back, at, back at the time, it was 
between Daredevil season one, Jessica Jones season one, Marvel was nailing it. It's like, well, what was better? We're comparing apples and oranges here. Two great seasons of uh, of Marvel mm-hmm. TV. It was like, like, wow, this Marvel Netflix thing could be amazing if every season's like these two. This is like two of the yeah. best things Marvel's ever done. And this one... Also, Kristen Ritter. Perfect. Yes. Perfect fucking casting choice again. I didn't. I don't think I really knew who she was before. Uh, the only other role I've really seen her in Breaking was Breaking Bad, Bad and I. I yeah. don't think I. Wa- I think I watched Breaking Bad after this, like within the. I know she was in like a random movie. It uh, like it was. I think it was called The Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Like that's I think that the was only. Th- and it was, that was like a show. A, was it a show? Oh yeah. Whatever. I think, and I, I only remember because I heard about her. I heard her talk about it on a podcast. Um. Mm. Uh, it was uh, what's his name. Michael uh, Rosen Berg. Rosenberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's on, it's on his, I think that's his name. It was on his podcast. Gotcha. And she, I think the show is like, don't trust the bee in apartment 23. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that. She doesn't do much now. She doesn't do much now except cameo as uh, Jane and flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's true. That's the last thing I've seen her in is the El Camino movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they'll bring her back. Anyway. Uh, maybe she's rolling in it. I don't know. Jessica Jones season one. Well, I know which side of the camp I was on. I was definitely in Daredevil camp at the time. Yeah. Although I did this have to. so close, though. It's yeah. so close. I had to appreciate. I feel like it's a little bit more cathartic mm-hmm. this year, though. I mean, like, we're going to get to Daredevil. It's apples and oranges. Yeah. Like, it's we're gonna, like, it's two we're different to, vibes. Daredevil season three is super cathartic, but Jessica Jones season one, like gave Jessica that kind of catharsis way earlier. I think Mm -hmm. like her whole story with Kilgrave. And I think it was a very, like, it was a very interesting series at the time too, because this is like, this is a, like a a pre hashtag me Too show, which is kind of weird to think how progressive it was at the time, really about exploring female trauma after, abusive relationships and you know having uh not just feel good about herself after being forced to kill somebody and be at this guy's whim for so long but she like drowns her sorrows in alcohol and sex and just can't ever really feel good about herself after this but she still tries to help people how she can Mm -hmm. and it's all about her kind of realizing it, it wasn't her fault and he doesn't control me anymore and I can make my own path for how I'm choosing. The themes were very strong in the show and like Christian Ritter was fantastic as this character and, you know, uh, mirrored by an equally impressive performance of uh, David, David Tennant, Tennant as Kilgrave. Another one of the all-time MCU great villains, so even good. though he was only in for one season and he has the What's coolest so power. Great? Yeah. What's so great about him is the way he plays Kilgrave, where he fully believes that Jessica was in love with him, even though he has the power to manipulate people at will just by the words he says. He fully believes they've had this relationship, and he, in a way, manipulates himself into believing that. And you can tell just by, even at the end of the season, when he says... Now smile, and she smiles. He literally almost breaks down because he's like, "Oh my god! Like we're finally back together." And yeah. it's just, 
I do think Chris, ugh, I can't say which one's better because it's two different performances. I think Chris Ritter knocked it out of the park, but I also think David Tennant knocked it out of the park as well. Where it's you can see this villain have obviously fucked up emotions and yeah manipulating everyone around him, but he fully believes his narcissistic persona. And I think David Tennant knocked it out of the park. You're reminding me vaguely of one of my favorite episodes of that year, which I haven't thought about in years, mind you, till just now, was the one where they teamed up for one episode. Team up, yep. Where uh, I think they were investigating a crime together or something, and mm. it, it nearly seemed like he had redemptive qualities for a little bit, or she was stringing in a long, just long enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, his power is freaking amazing, though. Just do what I tell you, and then you have to do it. Just mind control. Yeah. It's like, yep, just... Does yeah. it so... Uh, why, don't, why don't you kill yourself? Yep. And then they just do it. Mm-mm. Which, I think there was a suicide scene like that, actually, uh, with the, the girl who had to slit her the... throat with the, with the glass. Yeah, I believe so. Or in the cops. Remember when like they were in the police station and he made all the cops shoot each other? That was or- his first in- that was his first introduction. Yeah. Where he tells all the cops to point the guns at Jessica and then he walks in, you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Did he make them shoot each other or was he just threatening it? I don't remember. It was just threatening it, like point okay. the guns at each other. Yeah. But I think he also made his dad kill himself too. Right. Or maybe it was yeah. the mom. I can't remember. It's been a while. I think they It's been a while. I want to say they killed each other with scissors yeah it's, it's flat i'm it's like i'm getting a bell of like an old like an old person with scissors yeah in I think like all, in a i'm getting a cell. mental picture of like his dad putting his hand in the blender i'm getting oh, that as well yeah yeah his parent he tortured his parents yeah which you know yeah valid <laughs> for what <laughs> for what they did to him I don't even but, uh, remember what they did to him now. Uh, well, they created his powers by, like, mentally torturing him. Other scientists, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that tracks. Uh, I never liked Trish. <laughs> no? No. She, like, she was always somebody you're supposed to sympathize with, like, former child star with, that, like, uh, addiction mm-hmm. issues, had a terrible mother who forced her into showbiz and... You know, she's like she got more annoying as the seasons went on. I agree. She's the horror story of all child actors, but I don't know. Never, never gelled with her personally. Mm -hmm. You know, always. I love everybody else, really. Um, Oh yeah, there was that also that character uh, Will. I think his name was, who mostly had that relationship with Trish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, No, that's Malcolm. Will was the. um, Oh. I just watched a recap of all these recently. Oh, the ex, the ex soldier. Yeah, the guy who was taking, like, super pills. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember him being okay as well. I guess he's kind of a proto-John Walker sort of thing. Yeah, he was kind of forgotten after season one. Was he arrested or something? I don't even remember. I think he died. Or maybe he was arrested. I don't don't even remember. This was eight years ago. I remember remember, uh, Luke Cage was introduced in this show. Yes, he was. That was really cool. I really liked... um, I think in the comics, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are uh, are a couple. They're a couple. Mm-hmm. They're the like they're a power couple in Marvel. Um, so it's a little disappointing we only got to see them be together yeah. for like very brief. But I guess that's what these shows do. They latch more onto their own supporting cast and 
you know. So at the end of at the end of Luke Cage season two, is Luke and Claire still together? I think they broke up at the start of. Okay, because I assumed if the shows were continuing still so uh, successful, he would have ended up with Jessica. I feel like that was probably probably part of their plan. I know they had some chemistry still in Defenders. They had a bit of yeah. oh oh yeah we met um that that happened and uh, we're not going to talk about it <laughs> too for too long. I was saying like one of my favorite like adult jokes in Jessica Jones is when they're going at it uh, in yeah. terms of the the uh, the horizontal tango and they break the bed. And they break the bed, but then they just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we'll, we'll deal with it later. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, that reminds me of, about come Eternals, when everyone was saying how, like, well, Marvel's so conservative about sex, we've never seen, like, superhero sex in their movies. I totally forgot mm-hmm. about Jessica Jones. That yeah. was, like, the big scene. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. that show wasn't well, shy about that at all. Marvel's done this. No, she doesn't hook up with Malcolm. Triss hooks up with Malcolm. Is it just Luke Cage she hooks up with in season one? I swear there was another dude. I could be wrong. In season one, yeah, I think it was just Luke. Doesn't I think matter. she. I think she hooks up with at least one guy a season. Some of them were yeah. just. Some of them were just one-offs. Others were more long-term. She kind of had a thing with the superintendent of her building too, if I remember later on. I think that was like yeah. season yes. two. Yeah. Season two or three, yeah. Yeah. That was way later. Uh oh well. But uh anyway, get it, girl. What about uh Jerry Hogarth? Never liked her either. Yeah, she was a bit annoying. But she played the annoying character well. She was fine this year. In, in Jessica Jones season one, she mm-hmm. played her part well, but then she kept coming back in the Netflix things and she just got more annoying the yeah. more i saw of her i'm like uh but i can't uh, hate on her because of the matrix oh no yeah what's funny uh, enough i saw this i saw name? this before the matrix so i was like oh that's who you are <laughs> what is her name carrie ann moss carrie ann moss yes. great performer just the character was mm-hmm. like yeah i don't know if you wrote her but to she be plays infuriating. it to a t yeah i don't know if you wrote her to be that infuriating or if it's just how I see it, but anyway. I, I really like Malcolm, though. I would say yes. Yeah, Malcolm got better. Malcolm, uh, you know, he was an interesting, he had an interesting trajectory over this show. He was, like, in season one, mm-hmm. he was just the junkie that Jessica had took pity on, and then she trained him as a, as a PI, and then he, like, got his act cleaned up, became a full-on investigator in his own right, and, you know, he had a really, mm-hmm. he had the best upward trajectory of anybody, really. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, Malcolm was good. Uh, so then we get to one Dirt- one episode before. Sorry, before yeah. we move on, one episode that stands out from Jessica Jones is when she is investigating something, but it's all ultimately just to lead up like a trap for her by these normal people, because mm-hmm. those normal people blame superheroes for what happened in the incident. Ah, and she has okay. this whole speech where it's like. You're mad at me because I'm different. You know, if I wanted to kill you, I could snap your fucking neck right now. She goes on this whole speech, and I think it's really, just really well done monologue from Kristen Ritter. And then she snaps a guy's neck at the end. Well, wasn't the guy she was yelling at before, but. <laughs> I don't, I'm just saying maybe foreshadowing. Also, I, I said to, this I could before. snap your neck. 
the hero killing the villain at the end of the season, ballsy. I'll give it to them, ballsy. Uh, that's where the peak ended, but... <laughs> no, look, I think, to me, the difference is Wilson Fisk is such a integral villain. Like, him and Daredevil are one of the best hero, villain, arch nemeses in all of comic yeah. history. You weren't going to kill off Wilson Fisk. Like, I was so prepared for them to kill off Wilson Fisk in season one, like, literally every Marvel project had done before that. And when they didn't, and that he was going to last till season two, that put me over the moon with Daredevil season mm-hmm. one. Because I knew that we were going to keep getting that arch nemesis thing going on. Jessica Jones. Are you excited however, to see him in Echo? Uh, this version of him? <laughs> I'll take more of Vincent D'Onofrio. I just ho- yeah. I hope it might be good. I'm not excited. I hope it's good, though. But my point was, the fact that they kept him alive, great. Uh... Kilgrave here, he needed to die, I think, for this story to have exactly, any, sense of, yeah. any sense of closure. I'll forgive the fact that he didn't stay on as an arch nemesis because Jessica needed this chapter of her life closed before she could move on, and he, she wasn't going to get that with him just in prison. And, of course, mm-hmm. it sent her on a dark downward spiral because she took another life, even though it was one who deserved it. You know, she still felt guilty about that afterwards, if I remember. So that's, yeah. you know, so, you know, it was a good, it wrapped up in a nice little bow. Um, so then we get Daredevil season two and uh, Daredevil season two is a weird one because you, you got to split it into two <gasps> Don't halves. Don't you dare. You, you got to split it into two halves here. There's, there's the Punisher half and then there's the half with Elektra and the hand. Both and are great. I didn't, I didn't love the hand stuff as much. Like, don't get me wrong, okay. it's, still, it's still way better than most superhero TV out there. But I thought like, you were about to go to talk no. shit about the Punisher half, and I was about to lose it. No! <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I am, Justin? I'm just, I just, I don't, you got hot it. takes. You got hot takes, no, right? No, no, no. no, this time I'm pretty, I'm pretty in the pocket. The hand was the weaker half of the season. Mm-mm. The Punisher I will is, say, though, the hand stuff, it, I think, is a little weaker, but Electra and Matt are really good. Electric, yes. Those two are very okay. good well. on screen <laughs> together. Uh, they had to pivot away from the Karen romance just to... Yeah. But you know what? That's, that's the thing, right? You know, Karen, Karen's the good girl who's good for Matt, mm-hmm. who reminds the him of The girl next he, door. Yeah, reminds him of what he could be. You know, he, she's the, the hard-hitting journalist with a heart of gold who looks out for the little guy and, you know, really respects justice by day, whereas Electra is like, vengeance by night, kill everybody, feed into your darkest impulses <laughs> kind of person. And he likes that. He likes unleashing the devil with her a little bit. Yeah. He, he just gets a little antsy when it starts going too far. It's like, damn it, mm-hmm. you want me to kill people? I can't. God, I can't do that, but, like, I am so attracted to you, and you're, like, we're so good together in, in a specific vibe, but, like, I can't keep going with you. I love how they introduced Electra because Matt comes back from this amazing date from Karen, kisses her in the rain, all that, he's feeling great, 
And then he's like just chilling on his couch. And then he, he notices her presence, picks up a knife, is like, who the fuck is there? She's like, hello, Matthew. I just thought it was like, wow, that's great. Like he's at like, his peak happiness, he's like, she just comes back. And it was like, fuck's sakes. What do you want? Oh, but he so knows he's going to get, he also knows right then and there he's going to get sucked back in. Yeah. It was hard enough for him to walk away from her the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I just watched this clip the other day, but the first time he walked away from her was when they, um, they broke into this guy's house. When they were about house. to kill, yeah. Yeah, and she uh, found the guy who killed Matt's dad and was like, kill him, do it. He's like, I can't do that. And that, yeah, that was like, oh, but kill him. Yeah. Kill him, do it. Do but, it. Uh, let's, do let's it. Talk about, Electra was good. Um, but let's talk about the Punisher, John <sighs> Bernthal. Holy My crap. favorite. Daredevil's your favorite. Punisher's my favorite. Daredevil's right there. He's right, like, if, I, if, if this is the Olympics, I would give him both gold. Yeah. I, like, John Berthal, one of the most underrated actors in, all, in Hollywood right now. He's so freaking good. His introduction he's... to the Marvel Universe is so good. They don't even show his face for the first episode. And at the very end, after he's had this great uh, hand-to-hand combat with Daredevil, just looks at him with the gun and just goes, bang. End of episode. Oh! Yes. So good. I mean, one of the best scenes for him was the, um, it comes a little bit later, but his one batch, Prison? two batch, penny and dime story. Oh. When yeah, he's yeah. describing the murder of his family, it takes a little bit for you to be like, okay, why... Why am I sympathizing with this guy again? But, uh, yeah, you, you start to connect to him after a mm-hmm. while because you, like Matt and like Karen more specifically, start to see that he's not just this ruthless killer. He's a killer with a purpose and a good reason for what he's doing, even if we can't yeah. necessarily get behind that. Mm hmm. But um, I, lo- I, I love John Bernthal so much. I think his scene in the prison is a highlight of the show where he where Fisk is like, hey, I need you to kill this one guy or get information from this one guy. And then he tries to dispose of him like he would anybody else. But he just dis- murders everybody in the cell block. It's just so it's so good. And oh, man, I can't even describe it. It's that good. It's just you need to go see this. Well, I love this he's action in the, scene. He's in the white suit. All the painted bread by the end. Oh, it's so good. Fuck. What happened to those choreographers? Where are they now? We need you in these they movies. Probably, t- they probably went to work for John Wick or something. Oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just naming like the only good franchise that still has like consistent choreography at this point. Yeah, because probably that, and then maybe Mission Impossible. Who knows? Maybe they got hired for Shang Chi. I don't. Yeah. I doubt it. But well, I heard uh, the one, the one stunt coordinator who is on Quarter Digital all the time. He was a stunt double for the Punisher, and then he went on to stunt coordinate some of the stuff in Punisher season two, which is really cool. Okay. That's I think cool. he helped coordinate the gym fight scene against the Russians. 
right now I'm just looking at the um I'm just looking at the script for the rooftop scene. I think his name's Eric. Eric something. So I'm just going to read a bit of this cuz this is Yeah, just... at the rooftop. Yeah, go ahead. Frank, that's your real name? You get off threatening innocent people? He was only in danger because you squealed because you can't follow orders. You had a gun on him. You thumb back the hammer. Yeah, well, that was for you, part of the show. What does that mean? I really have to spell it out for you, Red, huh? I'm disappointed. Listen carefully, okay? You listening, yeah? How about now? Cox gun. You listening? Feel it? I'm not a bad guy, Red. You want to explain that to the orphans and the widows of the men you killed? For Christ's sake, that's what you think? I'm just some crazy asshole going around unloading on whoever I want to? Yeah, that's exactly what I think. That it? You think you're anything else? I think that the people I kill need killing. That's what I think. You left men hanging from meat hooks. They got off easy, in my opinion. You shot up a hospital. Yeah, nobody got hurt who didn't deserve it. Oh, yeah. What about you, Frank? What happens the day someone decides you deserve it? I'll tell you what, they they better better not not miss. miss. Come on, you run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. You think you do? Yeah, what, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the same goddamn thing. Yeah, so you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right I do. You ever doubt yourself, Frank? Not even for a second. Really? Really? Yeah, never think for one second. Shit, I just killed a human being. That's being pretty generous. A human being who did a lot of stupid shit. Maybe even evil, but had one small piece of goodness in him. Maybe just a scrap, Frank, but something. And then you come along, and that one tiny flicker of light gets snuffed out forever. I think you're wrong. Which part? All of it. I think there's no good in the filth I put down, that's what I think. And how do you know? I just know. Look around, Red. This city, it stinks. It's a sewer. It stinks and it smells like shit, and I can't get the stink out of my nose. I think that this world, it needs men that are willing to make the hard call. I think you and me are the same. That's bullshit, Frank, and you know it. I do the one thing you can. You hit them and they get back up. I hit them and they stay down. It's permanent. I make sure that they don't make it out on the street again. I take pride in that. Let me ask you this. What's that? What about hope? Oh, fuck. Come on, Frank. You want to talk about Santa Claus? You want to talk about Santa Claus? I live in the real world, too, and I've seen it. Yeah? What have you seen? Redemption, Frank. Jesus Christ. It's real, and it's possible. The people you murder deserve another chance. What, to kill again? Rape again? Is that what you want? No, Frank. To try again. To try. And if you don't get that, there's something broken in you you can't fix, and you really are a nut job. I'll leave it there. But. It's so good. I got so into it just reading it. Oh, it's such, like, one of the best just written dialogue scenes anything Marvel's ever produced. Just that conflict of ideology. Frank Castle. This is the kind of guy who you walk around the street and I see Punisher bumper stickers. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You see, a lot of people really believe in the Punisher's ideology. If I put him down, they stay down. Right? But Well, he's know, big in the military, too. Concerningly so, with police and military. I will say that is a controversy <laughs> out there uh, about how much they ide- some people idealize the Punisher. Um, but in the context of this show fantastic antagonist because he's not really a villain you 100% get where he's coming from he's not as monstrous as guys like Fisk 
because he's only taking out certain people, not innocents. But also, Matt Murdock, you know, he might sound like a bit of a naive optimist here, but he's also got a point. Like, people do need a shot at redemption. People do have chances to change and hope. And Frank Castle, you know, snuffs out that flicker before he can, before it can even happen, right? So I, I love their back and forths here. Uh, that season, like that scene, and maybe the one batch, two batch, Penny and Dime, that's what makes season two for me. That's what I remember the most about it. And like the Electra stuff was good too between him and Matt, but like mm-hmm. Daredevil versus the Punisher, that's where the real meat of it is. And it's like all-time great stuff in this genre. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal I can't believe Justin's missing out on it. He couldn't get past episode five or six. I hate him. one. How dare (laughs) you. He's just a case study for all the people who gave up on this show because they thought it was too boring. And look, maybe maybe it would be more slow burn, right? There's a reason Netflix released all these at once. They didn't drop them week to week because the show was maybe a little too slow for that. Maybe he was getting mm-hmm. through it too slowly. I don't know. But, like, if you watch the whole story as a complete package, all the buildup makes more sense by the end. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're, we're an hour in and we're barely <laughs> oh God. the surface. Um, we gotta fly so we got- by this. Yeah, uh, I, I care less about the rest anyway. We're starting to get into the mid-tier yeah. stuff anyway. <laughs> Luke, Ca- Luke Cage season one. Uh, it was fun. It was all right. This yeah. is the first, this is the first like, uh-oh. Not even like, uh-oh, yeah. but just a, Well, it was right. good until they did the thing. When they got rid of Mahershala Ali, like halfway that was through the season. Brilliant plot twist though. Brilliant. But just also like, what the fuck? It's like, wow, this is so... Oh, wait, and we have half a season to go. That's... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now I'm and then feeling they introduced, it. Uh, then they introduced Diamondback, and he was a good villain too, but I feel like he de- like deserved a full season. It's just a weird thing for them to... Ballsy for them to do, and I kind of respect it, of them to be like, hey, we're going to get rid of this one notable villain and then bring in this other villain. But when was- you're competing against Mahershala Ali... You're like, uh, fuck. I feel like something's missing here because you killed it off. I did kind of enjoy Mariah more as it went as the main villain. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially in Theo season... Rossi, also in this show. Oh, yeah. Shades. Yep, Shades. Such a cool villain. I don't even mm-hmm. really remember a whole lot about him except his look. Just that he wore shades, yeah. always kept a cool head. All the time. He was just... Murders that uh, teenager at the very end. Uh, so sad. She was supposed to be a rat or something. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he was a pretty vicious dude. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and Misty, I Knight like the I like really the cool vibe team. of uh of Luke Cage. I like the how they treated Harlem. How it was more of a community than yeah. probably in other shows or TV. How it depicted as like superhood. I mean, there's sketchy places in Harlem, but I mean, obviously, showed, like, the bright a, side to Harlem. Obviously, there's a lot of crime there and you know, maybe disproportionately, but it's also, it's also a community with a rich history and people in it. Like it's, it's more than just the headlines. There's Mm -mm. people who live there and, um, a great culture that's, you know, beyond the bad stuff you hear about. And I think 
Luke Cage. It, it was a really good uh, PR job for uh, for the borough. Really, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it kind of makes you see. Okay, yeah, you know, there's there's more moral grays here in life. Harlem's not just one thing. It's like, hey, like there's a lot of really cool stuff here. And I also uh, liked the uh, I like the actor for Luke Cage. He had this sort of soft Mike, spot to him as well, kind of Mike this gentle Coulter. giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, he was very impressive. Like he he played stoic most of the time, but it's not that mm-hmm. he lacked range either. He just like he managed to do a lot with a little. He was yeah. very, he was more of an emotive actor than anything. Like you could tell what mm-hmm. he was thinking just based on his eyes. He didn't like rage out a lot in season one, I think, except when they killed no. Pop. Oh, Pop. Yeah, that's why, I mean, Luke Cage was great for like the first half. Yeah. And then it and just it, sort of slowly like dialed out. It was like, ooh. First half, good, but not, first half, good, but not great. Second half of Luke Cage, not bad, not really that good either. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's okay. I like what they did with the Judas bullet, the bulletproof man getting hit. Really interesting. I am your brother. And they had to bring in Claire again. Always welcome. Claire, 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 Claire. Once again, <laughs> the glue that ties this all together. So, um... And then... We yeah. have <laughs> uh, the the shining crown jewel of the Marvel Netflix. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, the shining crown fist of the Iron Fist. Danny Rand. Oh, this show is so bad. <laughs> the immortal Iron Fist, protector of Kunlun, sworn enemy of the Hand. How many times do we have to hear that in this I season? I am the sworn whiner of Kunlun. <laughs> like, you know what Christ. okay here's here's my warm take on this I didn't hate this season as much as everyone unanimously seemed to I think it had like on paper it had some okay. decent yeah it, once again this is one of those retroactive things where I never thought it was like unwatchable even at the time and then looking at the Marvel we have now I still feel like they tried harder here than most of the stuff we're getting now. Yeah. All right, take a look at something I mean, like Qua- take a look at something like Quantumania and tell me Iron Fist wasn't trying. Oh, I thought that. you meant just yeah, like if we're gonna bring the bottom of the barrel, like <laughs> hey, that's I the thought you meant TV shows. Hey, that's the most recent. I don't need to go very far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I hear you. Yeah, so Iron Fist Season 1, Danny comes back from uh, Kunlung, uh, gets to know Ward and Joy again, kind of weasels his way back into his family business that he doesn't know how to run, and uh, the hands involved, and uh, the real hero, Colleen Wing, gets introduced, Mm -hmm. and uh, stuff happens. as, As immortal as the Iron Fist is, he's a pretty shit fighter. Yeah. Or at least in this season. I think that's just because they... I don't remember if it was because they couldn't get a stump double for... Uh, what's his name? No, I just mean he loses Avengers? fights a lot all the time. Oh, yeah. He just loses fights all the time. Not saying the actor did terrible. Oh, I just remember the choreography was pretty criticized at the time, too. 
Oh yeah. It's pretty for, lackluster. Like, for being like an obvious stunt double and the choreographer. I'm like, and they're like, Daredevil just came out like this year. What? Are are they completely different teams? Is this like the C-listers of the stunt choreography team working on Iron Fist? Where's the coordination here? Because Daredevil was still amazing. I can't even... I can't remember the final fight for Iron Fist. Couldn't tell you. I don't even remember what happened either. Exactly. I, I saw in the recap clip that the bad guy got shot off a roof and then cremated just to make sure he was dead because he was immortal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah Iron Fist is just it's there yeah it was more interesting on paper than it was in real Mm -hmm. Uh, and Claire is there as well at some point Claire 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 (laughs) (laughs) so then we have the the, shining light so then we have the defenders continuing (gasps) I just realized Claire is the Phil Coulson of the Netflix TV show Interesting or, comparison. Never heard that one. Or who or shows Fury. up a lot in like phase one. Or Fury, Fury I guess. Just yeah. kind of the. Yeah, she's that one that all. The, well, Nick Fury, if you think about it, was really the only one they all knew at some point. Yeah. He was the first one to meet everybody, basically. Um, but yeah, we get to the Defenders now. Continuing Marvel Netflix's mad streak. <sighs> You feel the hype in this podcast starting to die out now that we're in the middle? This this show, the- this is weird because it has two great episodes, in my opinion, and then just a lot of mediocre. It's got, when they first all meet up in the, like, hand building, uh, when yeah. Daredevil, like, takes Jessica's scarf, and they all meet up first, and then there's the uh, dinner scene, where it's, like, the whole episode. Right, right. Those are the uh, only, and then the final battle is just pitch black. <laughs> it's I like, remember, it's so dark. You're underground. Yeah. I remember being very underwhelmed with the Defenders because it took over half the show for the team to actually get together. I'm like, yeah. there's only eight episodes and it took you four just to get together the show. I'm like, look, look, there's slow burn. I know, I know people use slow burn and boring interchangeably depending on if you like the show or you didn't, but I'm, I'm on the bad side of that one because I'm like, it's taken, it's too long. You took half the show just to get the team together when I really, the draw of the show was to see the team together, mostly. Yeah. Our four characters finally converging. Hey, good for you. You came up with this whole plot line to make it seem less convoluted that they all got together, but you could have done that in half the time. You probably should have done it by the end of episode one, to be honest. Maybe two, if you were being way uh, too generous with your setup. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, we got Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, but then they kind of do the Snoke thing, where they just kill off the main villain. And they're yeah. like, oh, no, I'm the villain now. I thought it was interesting. The Snoke thing before the Snoke thing. Did interesting. She have, didn't she have cancer or something? Was her plot yeah, line? so she was yeah she was one of the immortal like a hand, but she had cancer, mm-hmm. and she can't heal from it because of how long she's been uh, de aging herself. Right, right. Which is a pretty interesting setup, and of course we get mm-hmm. Madame Gao back as well. Who she's always been great, and she's all these shows. She's kind of one of is the. Is this recurring... the one? Is this the one where Stick dies? Yes, Electra kills yeah. him. Mm-hmm. 
Stick was always an interesting character as well, because he's just this old badass who keeps talking about destiny and your time will come. And I always liked how Matt wanted no part of it. He's like, I just I yeah. just want to keep doing the street level hero thing. Can we save this destiny shit for anyone else? I don't want to mm-hmm. do it. That's how I always yeah, feel. Yeah, because they when, wanted him to kill and he never wanted to kill. That's always how I feel when Madam Webb shows up in Spider-Man things. I'm like, just stop. I don't want this. <laughs> just let him be the street level hero and save this for other people. Well, you know they're making a Madam Webb movie. I know, but it's... <laughs> I don't know what Sony's doing. I don't care. Sony doesn't know what Sony's doing. I don't like that side of Spider-Man. I'll let you know what they... I know what they did recently. They took the Venom script, copy, pasted, and then changed the title to... uh, What's his face? Morbius. Mm. That's what they did. <laughs> but, like, didn't have Tom Hardy's charm to carry it? No. They had Jared Leto's method acting. Yay. Entertaining. <laughs> It's Morbin time. <laughs> that was a meme for a while. I don't think he even said that in the movie, did he? He didn't. Uh, so one of the things I'll say about the Defenders is that Luke Cage and Danny Rand have great chemistry. I remember yeah. how good they were together. Also Matt and show. Jessica. Matt and Jessica as well. Matt and everybody. Charlie Cox is just Mm-mm. amazing in general. The Charlie Cox love continues. Never will die. Never. Never, ever. Even if he's canceled. Never. (laughs) Even if he's canceled, close-up will still support... I I shouldn't make declarations. You can't cancel cancel a blind man. (laughs) No, no, see, somebody's going to try to cancel him because a a non-enabled actor played a blind man. Don't even. (laughs) That'll be the controversy. When uh, when Born Again comes out. Because all the people who never watched the original will act like this is the first time it's happening in this universe. Then it's not called acting, people. Anyway. You know it's going to happen. But I... Uh... Okay, so yeah, Electra kills Stick and and Alexandra. I was just reading up on the plot of this again because I had to remind myself because it was so unmemorable. Yeah. But uh, Dragon Bones keep the hand leaders immortal. Dragon Bones! <laughs> and removing the bones will destroy all of New York. Okay. Sure. And there's there's uh, ninjas. And a very dark fight, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I forgot about this, but Misty Knight gets her arm chopped off. Yes. Because cool. that happened in the comic book. <laughs> and then uh, I love the ending, though, when Matt when Matt and Elektra died together in the building. Mm-hmm. Just, crumbled on, just crumbled on them. Which, you know, we knew Matt wasn't going to die. But I also like how that informed his whole arc in, uh, in season, three, in season yeah. three. So now we have Punisher season one. Back to you. Woo! So... Frickin'... This is a good one. This is a decent one. It was solid. It, this was this was yeah. Mar- this was Marvel Netflix kind of bouncing back for me. I'm like, Mm-mm. and the reason I thought it was cool was because I don't think they originally planned to do a Punisher show, but he was just such a beloved supporting character in Daredevil season two that the will of the fan base made him get his own show, right? Which somehow ran for two seasons. I'm like, oh wow, 
this is the power of the fan base. We demanded it. They gave it to <laughs> us, and it was good. So this one, he uncovers the conspiracy to kill his family, was his best friend who ended up doing it, and the CIA is the one who planned it just to shut him up, and he had to team up with that guy, mm-hmm. Micro, to investigate it. And uh, What I told- like about, just real quick, what I like about season one of Punisher is that they wrote it in a way where you really don't need to watch anything Marvel-related to get Punisher. Right. Like, it doesn't do any callbacks. It doesn't rely on, on any of the past history. It might mention some of the past events that he did, but if you just wanted to watch Punisher by itself, you could. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I only The only thing I really remember about Punisher Season 1 is the ending when he's fighting Billy on the carousel mm-hmm. and he grinds his face across the glass. Oh, just like, that's so, like, cringy in the best way. I couldn't We're take just that. like it's so uncomfortable because it's the sound too. It's like that's what I. All these years later, that's the part I remember more than anything. And Billy screams. Yeah, yeah. I also remember the investigation being kind of cool, if not a little yeah. dragged out as per Marvel Netflix standards. But that's fine. It was still a good story. Well, the agent too. Um, she did really well. Madani. I liked her dynamic of this. She's kind of people keep like shutting her down except her partner because i mean mm-hmm. there's a little bit of patriarchy propaganda in there as well but she's like this no shit given attitude against castle and will do anything to cap catch castle but i really love um the billy and uh frank dynamic as well and the that's two why friends i was there and how billy double crosses him yeah and that's why i was also glad that they kept Billy alive again because once again yeah. I think the MCU in general is missing is keeping your antagonists alive for more to get mm-hmm. a rematch to and I think that's one thing Marvel as a brand in general lacks is strong villains most of the yeah. time you look at DC basically every one of their major heroes has a uh, a counter villain or arch nemesis that's Arguably just as popular in many cases, or as well known mm-hmm. to the fan base. You know, Batman's got Joker, Superman's got Lex Luthor, Flash mm-hmm. has Reverse Flash, or, you know, the Rogues. Like, everybody's got their thing, really. Right. But um, Marvel, not as much. Daredevil's got Kingpin, everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's got Green Goblin. Fantastic Four have... I don't really know who the main Doctor Doom, but like just, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I think a, there's one major guy. It took me a sec. For some reason, my mind went to like Galactus first. I'm like, nope. I'm yeah. thinking too big. I'm like, I know there's one. Uh, I'm gonna get. Screwed. I am interested to see what they do with him in the MCU. Galactus? No, uh, Doctor Doom. Doom. Just don't. Just don't screw him up and don't make Galactus a fog cloud. Again. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Galactus. I like what I like about the first Bun- uh, Punisher season is the his relationship with Micro. Yes. I think it's like, again, it's the ideologies conflicting again. And he was just a, a soldier sent to do a job. And, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not fond of it, but 
it's kind of and it kind of goes it's also just another uh art imitating life where a lot of um when they invaded iraq you know it's uh a lot of people didn't want to do it but that's that was their job a lot of war crimes and it's a commentary on that but a lot of which we still probably haven't heard about yeah under wraps and i think frank yeah he's he regrets a lot of it but he was there to do a job and i think again john bernthal in this show does amazing one of my favorite moments i forgot to mention it but it's in daredevil season two where he's in the courthouse and matt walks up to him as matt murdoch he's like frank can i call you frank and he kind of has like a subtle like are you fucking daredevil like he gives Mm -hmm. him like a look where he's like yeah you can call me frank because he recognizes it and the way he plays it is so subtle well yeah i guess uh yeah that's what he would have called him because I think mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Daredevil always called call him Frank. Him Frank. Mm-hmm. What did uh, Matt Murdock call him? Did he call him Mr. Castle? Frank. Or, oh, call also him Frank. Frank as well? Yeah. All right. Uh, so Jessica Jones season two was Trish investigating into Jessica's powers and then they find her mom and her mom is a this bad is a guy. a weird one. And uh, there was also that plot line with Jerry dying by ALS and going on like, a substance abuse binge and yeah. uh, scammed by these people. And Trish tries to get superpowers and ends up killing Jessica's mother in the end. And, Another, like, um, giant twist ending, but you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? This season was just hard to get through, <laughs> if I remember. It was just yeah for most of it. That's really all I gotta say. It wasn't it wasn't that impressive to me. It had its moments, obviously. Christian Ritter was the highlight mm-hmm. still. But just I don't know. Something was missing this time. It just felt less yeah, I don't know. sharply written, like more rush, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not as good. But then we get to Luke it happens. Cage. Then we get to Luke Cage season two, which I didn't watch this one. Honestly, do you know where? I, do you know why I gave up on this show? Yeah. On, on this is when uh, I believe it's Bushmaster. Yeah, he. It's his very first scene. He's out on the pier looking over New York City, and I was like, "I'm not doing this." <laughs> I was like, "That is the most cliche fucking thing I've ever seen in my life." I was like, "I can't do this, man." That's it. Uh, I remember uh, actually. I remember liking season two of Luke Cage better than season one, personally. Mm-hmm. Which I can't even tell you if that's a controversial opinion because not a lot of people watch Luke Cage season two. Nobody, not enough people, got that far to have a strong opinion on it. But I thought it was an improvement in many ways. The story was a bit tighter. Bushmaster and Mariah were very interesting. They were two interesting villains because they hated each other. Because uh, yeah. her family killed his family, and then she retaliated by killing like innocent people, which Shades didn't like. Mm-hmm. So then he turned on her, and I just remember seeing a compilation of Bushmaster going Mariah Stokes, just mm-hmm. like because apparently he did that throughout the whole season. I I just, can't like, correcting people. You don't uh, remember that at all. <laughs> this was like six years ago. It was a six-minute compilation. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. I said it was an improvement over season one. I didn't say it was that memorable. All right, all right. 
Uh, so Claire breaks up with Luke because of his anger issues. He like punches a wall near, her, makes oh. her feel a little threatened. It's like, oh, no. uh, you you need help. And he's like, I don't. I'm fine. I'm a man. Um, <laughs> I just remember the ending of this show, really. Well, so Mariah yes. goes to jail and her daughter kills her. Oh, she like shit. gives her a kiss, but apparently like her lips were poison. <gasps> so wow. Mariah gets killed. And in her will, she leaves Luke Cage the nightclub. Oh. And the end, the very last scene in an homage. I know about the ending. Yeah. In an homage to the Godfather, Misty Knight is wondering if Luke Cage will be the king of Harlem and take over the gangster ship. And he's like, nah, 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 I'm, I'm good. But then the door closes on her as he's doing business deals like Michael Corleone. And that's the saddest part to me is that's that's where we left Luke Cage as a character. Yeah, we never. That, that's all I know about this season is like that happens like, ooh, that would be a very interesting season three. How do you play that? Do you still stay as Luke Cage or do you have to be the mobster because now that he's in charge surroundings you're in? Yeah. Now that he's or do you charge, try to do the do? Boba Fett thing and be like, hey, everybody, let's be good guys now. I feel like Luke Cage season three could have been Boba Fett before Boba Fett did that. I oh, feel like God. that's what it would have tried to do, but it would have felt. I hope not. It would have felt better because he's actually a superhero in this position now. Whereas Boba Fett yeah. was like a hardcore gangster. Bef- like he was a hardcore bounty hunter before he got that and then just turned good for mm-hmm. some reason. I think that's the difference is that Luke Cage it would actually have been more of a moral tug because he's he's being drawn towards the power and the corruption. But we already know he's a good guy. Whereas Boba Fett never yeah. really was. Anyway. Maybe he got rid of all his negative thoughts in the back to tank. That's where he purged it. Yeah. Have you seen those baths? Apparently they make you 10 years younger. All right. So then we have Iron Fist season two, <laughs> which I also never watched. Watch this, is the, this is the only so. one I, I never watched, which I kind of feel bad for now because I'm a completionist and it pisses me off when I've seen all the Marvel Netflix stuff. For better and for worse, and I, I never got to this one. So I kind of want to get to this one now. If only because I heard it was even better than the first one, by a wide margin, actually. Uh, so I've heard basically the idea is Davos, uh, who's his best friend, Danny's once, he's jealous that Danny was oh, yeah, the, the, guy from the Iron Yeah, it was the Iron Fist and not him. So he tries to steal the power of the Iron Fist. And uh, it sounds like Danny gets sidelined for most of the season for Colleen and Misty Knight to do a team up, uh, which I heard was great. Anyway, they were doing uh, her Daughters of the Dragon was like their comic series. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they do their team up. Oh, yeah. Can I skip back a sec? The best episode of Luke Cage season two was the one where he teamed up with Danny Rand, Heroes for Hire. And I, I hope they oh, he were- shows up. Yeah, the best episode of Luke Cage huh. season two was their team up episode where Danny Rand and Luke Cage just went on a like on a side adventure cool. for, for one standalone episode. And it was the best one. So I recommend watching that one if you see any of them, because it was kind of standalone, if I remember. So if I remember Danny's thing in that one is that he's he considers himself the protector of New York now that Daredevil's dead, allegedly. Mm-hmm. So allegedly. he's taking on that role. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Iron Fist season two apparently ends with Colleen Wing taking up the mantle of the Iron Fist. She gets the power. 
And Danny Rand just like goes on a road trip with his best friend. And that's, that's about it. And I know a lot of people were like, well, yeah, Colleen was the biggest badass anyway. Of course she deserved the power and to be the hero. Just like, why are you, why are you doing that anyway? That's so random though. Cause it's like, so what is Iron Fist now? He's nobody. Nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, should I address the, con- the like the stupid roundabout controversy of the show of Iron of Iron Fist? Sure. Do it. Everyone was pissed off when they cast what's his name again? I just looked at this. Sorry, Finn Jones. Yeah. Oh, they casted Iron a Fist. white guy to play Iron Fist, but that's what the character is. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. You you woke people want to see a diverse casting of an Asian. An Asian guy to play Iron Fist doing martial arts. First of all, the immortal Iron Fist is like a white business rich kid. So like that first thing. Second thing, you're advocating for an Asian to do a martial arts role. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, what's like what's what's more wrong here? The fact that you you just kind of want this arbitrary diversity hire for a character that's like that's not what he was or even worse is that you want to stereotype an asian guy in a in a in the martial arts role i'm like you know that's that's worse right the fact that all you so desperately want danny rand to be an asian guy i don't know man don't look at me i don't say that (laughs) not you I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's fizzled out years ago, but I always thought that was so dumb. I'm like, you realize that's kind of anti-woke, right? You're, like, you're Sorry, clamoring. I thought there was, like, a banshee screaming outside my window for a second. No, no. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> it's just it's just kind of ironically anti-woke. You, you're clamoring so hard for a diversity hire, you don't realize the diversity hire is going to a stereotypical role if it does go through. Joe, you can't put logic into these situations. I gotta I got try. I gotta I got call out bull where I see it on both sides. You know, I, I can't just, I can't attack one side more than the other. Yeah. Just. But then they'll get offended because they think you're calling them stupid. And then they'll get I am. mad and try to cancel you. I am exactly. calling them stupid. Because they are stupid. <laughs> Go back to like, whatever episode is the one that'll get uh, us canceled. I don't know. We said a lot of stuff in that one. Oh God. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who's got the worst sound bites on that episode. If you pulled me out of context, oh, uh, anyway, can we just skip ahead to Daredevil season three? Yes, please. This was phenomenal. Just when I thought Marvel Netflix was out, they pulled me back in. Pull me back in. This was the best season of any Marvel Netflix show for me. Yeah, it just everything. I have worked. a soft spot for season two, but season three is is phenomenal. Mwah. The rise and fall of Matt Murdock, uh, relationship between him and Karen, Foggy Nelson, Bullseye who is not treated like a joke, treated like an actual f- threat. Fisk is back. I mean, no, Fisk. Fisk isn't back. The Kingpin is back. The Kingpin's back. He. This is the uh, season the, he finally becomes the Kingpin. He gets the white suit and everything. Yeah. The Mama Nun. I mean, just. <sighs> so good that final fight the final speech everything about it the fact the whole whole season three is an allegory of matt murdoch 
fighting the Daredevil persona because he his suit was stolen from him and Bullseye is wearing the Daredevil suit. And it's just it's beautiful. He's in a dark he's in a dark place. He wants to let the devil out. And, you know, his mother, who's a nun, is trying to pull him back to the light. And he's avoiding his friends because he knows they'll just tug him back to the light. He's finally given into that vengeance side of himself. And his whole mission is, I am going to kill Fisk once and for all. End the blight on my city. And just finish it however I can. Lay low while I'm doing it because everyone's going to talk me out of it. But that's what I'm going to do. And everyone's like, you know, Matt, that's not who you are. You're not a killer who's, can I, ha- can I say Daredevil is maybe one of the only Marvel heroes in the MCU who goes out of his way not to kill people? Yeah. I'm like, this is why I like Matt Murdock, because he's the only one who feels like an actual hero. He's, you know, he beats guys to a pulp, but he, like, he's got a moral code that's pretty set in stone. Everybody else just kind of seems to go situation by situation in the MCU, but Matt Murdock, is, you know where he stands. And it's a big deal when he says, I'm going to kill Fisk. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is the most stand-up-and-cheer moment for me in the whole MCU. When he finally gets to, Dare- to the Kingpin's penthouse, starts beating his face in, and he's got Van- him and Vanessa dead to rights, and, and Matt looks at him, and, and, and Fisk is just laughing in his face, and he says, you, you want me to kill you. What's out this primal scream. And then Wilson says, no prison can keep me. You know that. Come on, kill me. And Matt screams in his face, no. God knows I want to, but you don't get to destroy who I am. You will go back to prison and you will live the rest of your miserable life in a cage knowing you'll never have Vanessa, that this city rejected you. It beat you. I beat you. You'll keep my secret. And you won't harm Karen Page or Foggy Nelson or anyone else. Because if you do, I will go after your wife. And I will prove Vanessa ordered the murder of Agent Ray Nadim. And like her husband, she will spend the rest of her life in a cell. Beat him. So fucking good. (laughs) Where's the dialogue like this now? Where's these cathartic moments of, like... And once again, and Jessica Jones, you didn't like it. the great dialogue in Quantum Mania, where it was like seven holes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what Christ. that's what we're reduced to now. But you're not the like, one with the hammer. Wah, wah. Once again, I I get that in Jessica Jones, killing Kilgrave was, you know, that was Justified. the cathartic moment for the story. But for Matt Murdock, letting him live was the cathartic moment. Mm-hmm. Not giving in to his, his dark impulses. Having Wilson Fisk dead to rights. Having every opportunity and capability to kill this man who's done so much wrong to the city, but using his brain instead, letting the light back in, and finally deciding that, no, you don't get to define who I am. Yeah. I live by my moral code and I, I beat you already and that's that's good enough. And he almost does it too. He's so close to doing it. You He's see like, he puts his hands around his neck but he just lets out this primal scream. It's so well acted. Charlie Cox you're fucking incredible! And he gets all the blood over Fisk's precious white painting that he bought in season one. Yep. Fisk's blood is just pouring over the white painting. 
Can I talk about the symbolism? Like the the symbolism and cinematography and Daredevil, like the filmmaking of that show is better than most big budget films. It's a masterclass. It's like it's a masterclass in cinematography and filmmaking work and just it's it's the intentionality of it, like the storytelling, the dialogue, the character work, the the cinematography. It's just cinematography. It's it does everything as perfectly as you possibly can do it, and somehow it's about costume people beating up criminals in the night still. <laughs> like this is as good as the superhero genre gets. I don't know how and this is why I'm worried for Born Again. First of all, and I ha- I don't think I've ever had this. Born room. again, not bored again. <laughs> I don't think I've had this rant on air yet, but here we go. Here we the go. reason I'm worried about Born Again is specifically because of the title. That was my first red flag for this show. Born Again. You already did it. Yeah, <laughs> because any Daredevil fan worth their salt knows that the story of Born Again is basically the story of Daredevil Season 3. So calling it Born Again is basically just is Marvel Studios trying to say, Hey, Daredevil fans, look, we are giving you the title of a thing you like. So you should like this show. And I'm like, nope, you just got my backup because I've already seen Born Again adapted and they did it fantastic. So this story is not going to be an adaptation of Born Again. You just used the title because you knew it would entice me. Same reason you used the red and yellow suit in She-Hulk because you thought, Oh, we are giving you the suit you think we think you will like because Daredevil wore it once for like less than a year because even the creators knew it was a bad suit. No Daredevil fan likes that suit. And once we got beyond the fact that they adapted the thing, it just feels like pandering. I don't trust what they're doing with Daredevil going forward because they're just appealing on the iconography that they already adapted better in this show the first time. So I don't know how the show will be. I hope it's good. Also, also, it's supposed to be 18 episodes. Did you hear that? Yes, I did. I hope it's good. I genuinely do. I think Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox are going to be amazing in it. If it's 18 episodes, I bet there'll be even a lot of solid episodes in there. Mm-hmm. I don't even mind if they make it a comedy or like more light in tone because Daredevil originally was more light in tone. Daredevil's a character that can work in multiple tones. Especially if you consider the end of this show, he excised most of his demons already. He's in a lighter place. He can be that lighter superhero version now. I don't mind that if they change the tone up. I just don't want the writing and quality to, you know, to go down because of that. Like, don't equate light tone with throwaway, disposable garbage. It can still be good. I'm so worried. <laughs> Me too. Uh, also, a highlight here was um, uh, Bullseye. Bullseye's really good. I didn't realize he was Bullseye till the end of the season. I'll be honest with you. The office Did fight didn't do it, it for him. you? No, I didn't understand it because I thought I was dumb at the time. And I was like, I need characters to say their villain name for me to know who they're based off of. Right, <laughs> right. I thought that was one of the best scenes in the in the whole season when he's just kicking Matt's ass with office supplies. Yeah. Everything in Very there well is done. Everything in his and hand the, is uh, a deadly weapon. I am it, it's a personal gripe. It does it's not a gripe to the show whatsoever, but I really hated that he never donned the Daredevil outfit again. Right. Cuz I just love Matt in it, 
but it was it's more on the symbolism as a whole, and it worked towards the season. I think it's because so many people love the black suit that well, yeah. you know, it was it was symbolism. But I mean, they pe- added it too with the ropes as well. I think the ropes were really cool. Now, what I thought was an interesting touch, which you know, I made my own costume mm-hmm. here. The Daredevil season one costume, I believe, was just a black headband. But the Daredevil season two, co- season three, Man in Black costume yeah. had this kind of white inlay. It, it nearly looks like, uh, you know, like a nun's robes. Right. And it was just that little bit of white on it that reminds you mm-hmm. that even engulfed in all this blackness, there's still a spark of good and light left right. in Matt Murdock. So symbolically on the costume, it's still telling you that, like, yes, he's engulfed in darkness literally and metaphorically, but that bit of white on the costume that wasn't there before, that's like, that's like, that's still him holding on. Yeah. It's like Luke's, it's like Luke's outfit in Return of the Jedi. He's fully in black. He's He's got the white. more of the dark side. And then at the end, he's got the more of the lightish white gray thing. Yeah. Which we don't see. He's engulfed in black, and then in the end, we see that the costume is white on the inside. You know, it was it was there the whole time. We just didn't see it. You've lost your highness. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. So yeah. be it. <laughs> so be it, Jedi. Cut to the space battle. What? No. <laughs> Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Oh, we got to power through. Punisher season two. I could talk about Daredevil Season 3 all day. It's the best. I know. I love Punisher Season 2. I the whole it. idea for this episode came because Ryan was watching clips from Punisher Season 2, and I'm like, we got nothing else Listen, to talk about. So, it's, it's just a great... I think it's a great season. Again, it plays off of who Frank Castle is as a person. He at first meets Beth, or this bartender, whatever her fucking name is. I've already forgotten. And he imagines this life with her. But he can never escape his past, and it ends up hurting her in the process, and he has to abandon it. And just those first two episodes, I think, is so well done uh, story-wise. But now he becomes kind of this um, pseudo-parent to this this teenage girl, because high top men are after her for uh, for information that she knows. And we can all agree, Frank hates top people. And uh, Madonna's back, I think, for... Yeah, Madonna's back. Billy Russo's back for a little bit, which I forgot to mention. Billy Russo is Prince Caspian. And, um... <laughs> if you never made the connection. But, uh... And I think they... Billy's psyche is played so well here as well, where he's completely traumatized from their final fight at the carousel. And he doesn't remember at first. And he's just this tormentor from Frank, and then I love at the end, Frank finally just puts a bullet in him, just says, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm done with you, uh, just also unceremoniously too, he's just like, you've, you've done yeah. enough, and, um, I can't remember, him, does, he showed him mercy at the end of season one, and he just came back to cause more trouble, does Madani die, I can't remember, I don't, she gets pushed out a window, doesn't he, I don't doesn't think she, she dies, I think she's okay. I think she's okay. I can't remember. Adrian Madani. Either she gets pushed out a window or someone else pushes her out the window. It may have been Billy's girlfriend. That's what it was. It was the, yes, the psychologist that became the girlfriend. You're completely right. Yeah. Somebody got pushed out a window. 
Uh, yes, Punisher season two is mostly just noteworthy for Frank Castle getting a little bit softened. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he kind of becomes that surrogate father figure again to yeah. this girl and learns killing isn't always the way like mm-hmm. Matt Murdock had been trying to tell him forever, but I mean, he still killed I just a think, bunch of guys. Yeah. But. His final, like his speech to her is like, I would do anything for that girl because he reminds her of his daughter. Yeah. And then how it's kind of like the final fight between him and uh, the preacher guy. And then they kind of just both res- like go on their separate ways, I think. Because the preacher guy is who Frank could have been. Who yeah. would have been if he stayed with the military. And who he's the guy who's too far gone. That preacher was so Steve, cool, though. He was so cool. He's so threatening. The both clashing. And then uh, him, his goodbye to her when she gets on the bus is also just heartbreaking and then he fully becomes the punisher at the end i love that last shot of the of the series though and mm-hmm. he, just, he he wanders into the warehouse throws out his machine guns trench coat <gasps> yeah trench coat full white skull on there just starts mowing them down beautiful yeah that's the punisher. and then they canceled it that was a good ending though if you're gonna end the show like that you like that's the perfect shot to end on really they're going to bring him John back, Burnfall. though. I heard they're bringing him back for Daredevil. They though, are. For Born they Again. Are. Which, mm. I bet they're going to do, like, three arcs. Oh, no. I hope they don't, like, neuter him for Disney+. Plus. Hey, guys, gonna... I'm the Punisher. Here's a, what do you, here's what a do lollipop. You I punish people. <laughs> In PG-13 fashion. You just got punished. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Like off-screen deaths. Holy crap! Hey, uh, Jessica Jones. I season. have a feeling that Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio and John Bernthal wouldn't come back unless they saw a good script. I'm holding out on that. I always hope. I always hope that money also talks. Money talks, and also the fans love them, and they love the characters, yeah. and I think they just want to come back and play them and people want to see them played again mm-hmm. like once again say what you will about she hulk we definitely have but charlie cox was clearly having fun on that show in oh yeah show. no i'm yeah. just a big fan of legal dramas that's a good joke <laughs> uh it's so jessica jones season three the final nail in the coffin for the ncu i don't remember this season Let's that joke settle yeah nobody does this was 13 episodes? Yes. Well, I, I do. Re- until I saw the recap a few hours ago. I didn't remember either. So Trish gets superpowers. Uh, she's like agility superpowers. Right. And there's this guy who Jessica is dating this season. And he knows that he, he blackmails people because he, he can get a sense whether they're bad guys or not. And then he knows there's this serial killer who they start investigating anew and then the serial killer gets jerry hogarth to sue jessica like oh she's harassing me even though he's a serial killer and she's i just remember the serial him. killer thing yeah i actually now remember it and kind of liked it so then he escapes and kills trish's mom and then trish tries to kill him but jessica stops her and then trish starts going on this vigilante spree where she accidentally kills a guy and then she starts becoming a serial <laughs> killer herself 
until Jess has to take her down and get her in jail. And, uh, and then Jess is going to leave town, but she comes back to her PI business. This was a solid last season. I mean, it yeah, wasn't. It was solid. It's the and one And then I there remember. was the Kilgrave thing at the end. Yeah, that was like he was kind of calling to her and then she realized, wait a minute, I can't, I no, can't let fear yeah. rule my life. I you know what's York really funny about its... this season? I swear it came out and then two weeks later they said it was canceled. Yeah. That was really funny to me. It was like, you know wow. What? I'll give, I'll give the uh, Netflix shows this though. They left all their characters in a good spot. Yeah. Everybody, like they all got decent finales for what they were. I mean, not if you're a Danny Rand fan, but... <laughs> Danny Rand even had some closure. You know, it wasn't like he was still okay. doing his own thing, from what I heard. But, uh, like, Jessica Jones kind of got over her thing, and she, she wasn't letting fear rule her. She stayed in New York, even if it all the trauma that was there. Luke Cage got in a weird spot where he's, mm-hmm. like, the mobster, but is he? We don't know. So he could still do some real good. Danny Rand goes on a, you know, road trip of self-discovery. Colleen Wing takes over the Iron Fist. And my favorite of all, Daredevil catches a drink with Foggy and, uh, and Karen at the bar. And mm-hmm. they toast a good times ahead. And then we get a post-credit yeah. scene with Bullseye, which I don't want to talk about because that just makes me sad. But I'll choose the actual ending. Yeah. He, like, wakes up and his eyeball looks like a bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> or something they, like that. They did some surgery on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though, like, I know none of it's confirmed. I would love to see Kristen Ritter back. I would love to see Luke Cage back. I mean, if they... W- I mean, I would love to see Calling uh, Wing back. Uh, I don't know if they would do Danny Rand, but I just feel like they kind of got accident in a I really think- unceremonious way, and it's just not really fair. They should have been tied in into the cinematic universe, and they weren't. See, I remember the news. I remember I, and this is something I'm still bitter about. I remember I was on a trip to, uh, to New York City, and then while we were there, we were reading the news, and I was like, oh, crap, Luke Cage and Iron Fist got canceled? Yeah, that makes sense. Those had pretty low viewership. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not that sad about that. Oh, crap, Jessica Jones got canceled? And that was either the same, like later that day or just a few days yeah. later. Like, oh crap, that's like that's big. Oh, but Daredevil's still fine. It's like it's the best show. They just put out their best season in the entire show. Like we're all riding high. Daredevil's the most viewed one too. It's the flagship. Sh- it's one of Netflix's flagship shows. They're okay. Canned. I am livid about that to this day. Even the fact Born Again's coming back doesn't make it better because it's it's a different show. They can't yeah. the original show in its original run. It's never going to be the same. They're not even bringing the showrunners back. I'm still livid that they canceled this. Oh. It's a masterpiece. It yes, is. The, it really is. Yeah, the back half of season two with the hand, yeah, whatever. It, it kind of suffers a bit. Maybe season still three suffers. Maybe season three suffers a bit because it relies so heavily on the end of the defenders. If you don't see the Defenders, it doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense for context. Whatever. It's a masterpiece. You get you get a Netflix recap, as they do every <laughs> beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're like, you're fine. Yeah. So, you know what? The NCU, it was, it was good for its time. Oh, it had some 
It had low Is that points. What it's called? <laughs> no, that's what I'm calling it. I'm trying to coin that. Okay. I've said it. I've said it multiple times today, but. <laughs> Anyways, it had its high points, it had its low points. All of Daredevil was a high point. Most of Iron Fist was a low point. Mm-hmm. Everything else somewhere in the middle. But you know what? When it was good, it was great. And when it was bad, it was bad. But like on the whole, most of them they were took above chances. It. Yeah, they most took chances. Were above average. And a lot of it stuck. And it's kind of funny now. Like I said, it reminded me about uh, like the sex scene in Jessica Jones. When people are like, why doesn't Marvel get more violent? Why don't they include more adult themes and like gratuitous things or violence or like uh, whatever? And then I'm like, wait, do, do people forget the Netflix stuff exists? It did all this first. Yeah. And we're still acting like the new stuff is doing it first. Like, why is that? Just because more people saw it first? Like, yeah, maybe the movies get more exposure, but Marvel w- was doing this before on pretty high profile shows watch tv (laughs) these were like the flagship shows of netflix for so long daredevil especially if you remember when netflix used to have well i guess they still do but they had the uh like their featured lists of all their netflix original shows and charlie cox's face was always one of the first ones i saw on that Mm. list it was that house of cards and like orange is the new black yeah they were very proud of daredevil at the time and Mm -hmm through it as much as they could so like i call bull people didn't watch at least that show maybe not yeah exactly not justin but like a lot of people (laughs) fucking justin (laughs) he's gonna hate me after listening to this one well he should hate himself (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) i'm kidding justin you you heard it here uh i am gonna hear about this so bad Sorry to keep throwing you under the bus, Justin. You're just the example for uh, people who don't You like put yourself these, in this situation. Who, who didn't give these shows a chance early, and you're the reason they got canceled, and why we have to talk about them six years later. Because not enough people Fun watch them. Cool. You watch uh, too much Sopranos. I watched all the Sopranos. I know, and now you're, <laughs> now you're too in <laughs> Oh, no. So as you can see, we're still bitter about uh, the Netflix universe getting canceled. But we hope these characters can still make a good comeback. Mm -hmm. When is Daredevil supposed to be? 2024? Like late 2024? I think their scripts are done, but production got pushed back because of the writer's strike. Fuck. Okay. I think they they were in production. And then the strike happened. okay. And now they're on hiatus right now. Okay, I'm fine with that. As long that. as they're not going forward with it during the strike. Because that's yeah. what happened in... That's how we got 2007 movies. <laughs> yeah. What a year. What you Anyways, yeah. you have no more to say. Uh, love most of these shows. The misses were high misses, but a lot of them nailed it. So... You can find me, Ryan Walker Official, on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. We're streaming Jedi Survivor right now on YouTube, so go ahead, follow that, at Ryan Walker Official. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. 
Also, Ryan, Justin, and I just finished a short film called A Blue Star Apart, and it'd be fantastic if you could go to the Thought Play Media Facebook and uh, like the trailer we posted there. Be a big help to get us into the film festivals this fall. If you could support that, fantastic. So we hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. I beat you! Yeah. Do 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 do. Forgot to talk about the theme song.